Bulls to make it 28 to 3. Arthur Blank loving it. Up by 25. Tossed away. He's in. What a comeback. Welcome to another episode of the 28-3 podcast. We're all in a solemn mood after yesterday's performance. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and recap what happened, make it a short recap. I don't think we really want to relive that wonderful experience much more than we need to. But uh, yeah. Nick, why don't you give us some thoughts on the game? What did you see? What did you like? I'm sure it wasn't much. There was not much to like, I don't think, except uh, maybe Alave's first half. Um I think, you know, uh, the most disappointing thing to me, you know, the offense reverting back to all the stuff we saw in the first five, six games in the red zone, and then the defensive line was a complete, you know, meltdown. Uh, 230 plus, right around there, rushing yards. Um, You know, I, I guess if I had to pick a positive from that is they ran for 230 yards and somehow we still won time of possession and we sustained drives. I think we punted on the first drive and then we got inside their 40 on the subsequent eight drives. Um, but complete failure in the red zone, once again, cost us the game, um, you know, in every different way imaginable. Jawan Johnson, offensive pass interference, Derek Carr, a completely – you know, that pass makes no sense in that situation. Even if it's not picked and run back, it's there's no way it's complete. Uh, Taysom's fumble at the 10. You got the false start followed by the uh, the holding call. Pretty much any way you could stop a drive, we did it um, once we got inside around their 30. So, you know, uh, offense went backwards, which we thought was impossible, went even further backwards this week. It was it was terrible. Uh, moved the ball between the 20s with ease and then complete meltdown once we got in scoring position once again. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad to watch. You know, the mistakes were just backbreaking. Like the, the Taysom Hill fumble, I felt like we were rolling in for the score at that point. And honestly, I felt like we were going to win the game at that point. The second that fumble happened, from then on, we were just inept in every phase of the game. You know, defense just got gashed. It reminded me of the Saints-Bills game from, I want to say, like six or seven years ago when we ran the ball like 14 straight plays or something like that on a single drive and just pounded the ball down the Bills' throat. Yeah. I think it was actually more than that. Yeah, yeah, we but, just uh, took it in our own hands. It reminded me of that where just watching a defense be utterly helpless to stop what was happening to them. So, Corey, give me some thoughts on it, though. I'm going to pass it off to you see what you got to say. Yeah, I mean – I th- it's weird, right? Because it's the Falcons game. It's what was supposed to be a great Falcons hate week. And I think you said it last week where fuck you, Dennis Allen, for taking away what should be a perfectly great Falcons hate week. Like We hadn't shown anything to that point to you know make us think we could talk any shit whatsoever to Falcons fans, be it on Twitter or otherwise. But um, weirdly, it's a different mood from the Vikings game, right? Because I feel like the Vikings game was one where, you know, there were maybe more, like we got our asses kicked and then we tried to make a comeback of it. This one, it's just like even more evidence of, yeah, this is who we are. Um, Kamara's been on point all year. 
in his pressers. I, I hate to put so much stock in post-game pressers, but at least he's one source of them where when you listen to him, I think you can get a good beat on reality. And he said it, you know, we're just the only consistency we have is inconsistency. It's just another performance where, you know, there were some, look, all those passes to Alave, you know, it takes two to tango. Carr threw some good passes to him, maybe except for the very last pass he threw to him where it, the ball was located up high. Um, the high pass isn't solely responsible for the concussion, of course, but obviously you want to see it maybe put further downfield or something like that. But then with all those good positive plays, you had just the complete inconsistent bullshit. Like we said, the the penalties inside the red zone and to, you know, Dennis Allen in his press conference today was like, well, you know, I think someone said, uh, I think Catherine Terrell said, do you think the bye week was productive? Do you think you, you, are you concerned that maybe you didn't come off the bye week showing any, any progression, uh, improvement? And he said, no, I think the bye week was good. I don't think that, you know, I, I think we, we, uh, we improved. We just had some things not go our way. And it's like, dude, what are you watching? You know I mean? The red, the lack of red zone performance if you want, he tried to blame it all on penalties and it's hard when you get backed up to, you know, from to the 25 yard line, the reds, it's like penalties are part of red zone execution. <laughs> you know, you, ha- you have to do all of it. And it just, it, 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 yeah, it was just more of the same glimpses of some good stuff, but overall not enough to get it done. You know? Yeah. I think the most irritating thing for me was listening to Derek Carr's explanation of the interception when he's talking about the safety and he's saying, Oh, you know, Bates, you know, he, he made the wrong play. He made the wrong move. Talking like he was out of position. He's not supposed to He's leave. Not supposed his, to do that. Or he le- he like, left his assignment. No, his assignment is to get the ball. Right. He, <laughs> basically, Bates baited him and Carr's yeah. looking at it and saying, well, no, you know, he did what he wasn't supposed to do. And, you know, I guess it was a good play by him. But, you know, he did what he wasn't supposed to do. It's like, asshole, you threw a bad pass. Yeah, it, it was wrong. Hold up to him and say that was a bad pass. It was wrong on so many levels. I mean, Bates came off of you know, his spot. He didn't come off of his assignment. I mean, he started the play, sure, in the middle of the field, but because Carr just telegraphed where he was going, he actually, Bates actually performed his assignment by coming up saying, oh, I can see where the QB is going with this. I'm going to creep up. And then if you're Carr, it's like, hey, you know, um, maybe you should not throw it to a place that's closer to a defender than your own guy. Um, yeah, it was an interesting thing, you know, just hearing his explanation of it. And, and D.A., as you touched on, talking about the penalties and blaming penalties more than anything else. And it's just just own up to it. It was it was a bad performance. You know, we had, uh, you know, fumbles and interceptions at the worst time. It happens. But own up to it. Just say, look, it was a bad pass. Or Kaysom, you know, he had a bad fumble. It happens. It's part of the game. But this yeah. whole trying to pass the buck off, you know, to penalties and all this other stuff. I mean, that's that's just – I think about about what Carr said, uh, you know, he's not completely wrong. They were in single high and he was on basically Uh, our left side, the formation. But I mean, he he is completely wrong. Let me just say. (laughs) No, that's not from a positional standpoint. Still throwing the ball into that coverage is completely wrong. The guy was not open. It, It should have never been thrown regardless of what Bates was doing. It's a single high look. Yes. So you think that, 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 that route is open. Okay, from a pre-snap diagnosis, yes, but it still doesn't matter. It was a terrible throw because the receiver was blanketed. Shahid had no chance of catching that ball, and it was behind him by 
probably two yards. So yeah. regardless of whether Bates – and look, both Bates' plays were incredible plays. Make no mistake about it. The, the punch fumble was a great play on Taysom, and this was a great pick six. It doesn't matter. It's still a mistake by Carr. So they can both happen. It can it can be a great play and a mistake, and that's what it was. He screwed up. He never should have thrown that ball. There's no There's no world where he can say that – it was such an exceptional play that you just chalk it up to a good play for the defense. No, you threw it to a covered receiver, period. Yeah, and that's my point, though. It's like I want him to just take – don't don't even touch on anything about what Bates did. Just say it was a bad pass. I shouldn't have thrown it. Like, that's it. You know, leave it at that. He was doing that at the beginning of the season when he threw the bad interception for the first couple of games. And, you know, you heard him say in the postgame press, or, hey, that's on me. I was trying to force it. You know, bad pass. Say that again. Like, with the way the the, uh, the crowd has been turning on him, you know, of late, it's not the best thing in the world to go ahead and start passing off the uh, the blame to other other players at this point. I mean, just own up to it, man. The whole city's ready to turn on his ass anyway. I don't think I've talked think to one person. that's already happened. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. it's, it's already happened. You know, I mean, he, he is persona non grata in New Orleans right now, man. I mean, I think if you look at the most hated person in New Orleans, it's probably Roger Goodell. Derek Carr is creeping up on him right now. Hey, but uh, Dennis Allen, Dennis Allen and Derek Carr, the DA and Derek Carr are like having a, a race right now to see who can catch Roger Goodell. It's it's kind of funny to watch. Yeah, it, it's it's not good. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, there's the things that he could say, but I mean, the game for him was was a mix of. Look, he had some good passes in this game. There were some throws that made you say, okay. That's can we just keep doing that? But then you didn't have to wait too long before there was something wildly inaccurate. You know, there was one, I forget what juncture in the game, but he had Rashid wide open on a, a crossing route and he threw the ball so far behind him that Shahid had to fall down to make the catch. It's like if you hit Shahid in stride there, you know, he's getting close to the five yard line, if not making guys miss. Yeah, hey, Nick, that's the play I was talking about. I think you missed it. I know you were trying I went back, back and watched it. Yeah, I went back and watched it. I don't think he scores, but I agree with Corey. He's, he gets you he's a lot of five, though. He's inside so, the 10 for sure. Yeah, so Carr had ball placement issues all day, and that was one of them. You know, the interception, it wasn't intercepted because of ball placement, It was, it, but it was poorly placed pass. I mean, the Falcons released their, uh, you know, I'm going to call it a dumbass sky cam, even though if we did it, we'd say it was pretty cool. But uh, just the sky level view of uh, like from straight above of the interception. And you can see when the ball, like the moment Bates touches the ball. I mean, it is a full two yards behind. Shahid. Easily. I mean, yeah. almost to the point where if Carr had led him properly, I'm not it still wouldn't have been a good decision. But like. Bates would have had a harder time catching it. I mean, which is kind of backwards and crazy in and of itself. And, you know, and so it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it was just too up and down across the board. There was just no consistency from from the offense. I mean, I'm not even getting into the defense yet. I mean, they just got well, let's move on to the completely owned. We've gotten, we're going to, we're beating a dead horse with Carr at this point. Let's talk about the defense a little bit because I know Nick touched on it already. The defensive line. It's been an issue all season long. Granderson got his new deal. He started off the season with the house on fire, and then now he's just – he's kind of tailed off a little bit. Cam's been non-existent. Uh, Ruziz had his issues. Now. Yeah, Cam's hurt now. Ankle actually might miss a game. Um, you know, it, it's just been a mess 
from all levels on the defensive line. You know, we have uh, a new defensive line coach, and that's something you got to look at as well. Ryan Nielsen's in, in Atlanta, and Atlanta's got a top 10 defense right now. Yep. You know, in their defensive line, they were, these guys were firing off the ball. They were playing well. And, you know, our guys this year, for the most part, save a few flashes from Granderson, have not looked good at all on the defensive line. And yeah. we talked about that, all three of us, in the beginning of the season, yeah. when you let Onyemata go and you retool the whole, you know, front front four, we were worried about it. And it looked good in the beginning. We we were like, you know, Saunders and Shepard looked pretty good. And, you know, Granderson yeah. was looking like a, a wrecker. And Cam was just kind of holding down the fort, and it just—it just not that way the last five six weeks. It's been—it's been really really bad. They're getting blown away. Yeah, it completely fell off. And look, and I think I don't think we were wrong before the season started to take a look at the guys we lost on D line between uh what was it Street and and Onyemata, and then replacing those guys with Shepard and Saunders. I don't think we were wrong to say. Okay, Shepard and Saunders are actually young. Tuttle, I'm, yeah, Tuttle's one. I'm, the main one I'm thinking yep. of. Yeah. Yep. So Shepard and Saunders are actually younger, okay, than the guys we lost. And if you look at their stat, slightly, it's slight, well, slightly, slight, but still slightly. But that combined with the stats they were bringing in, from an objective standpoint, before the year, it, it looked like you know we lost two key pieces, but the guys were adding they actually seem like they could be pretty good. And then, like you said, Nick, in the beginning of the year, they look to be filling that void pretty well. For me, everything is complimentary in football in general, yes, but especially on defense when, you know, your defensive line's ability to hold off blocks complements whether the linebackers have room to run to make their tackles and, you know, whether the DBs hold up in coverage allows your pass rush to get home, you know. And so I think – what we're seeing now is kind of what we've alluded to a few episodes ago is that maybe not those two guys individually, but the defense as a whole, uh, mostly the front seven has some age issues and inability to chase down the faster modern skill players like a Ritter, like Bijan, they just can't keep up. And, and that is paired with the fact that as the season has go on, gone on, it's not a coincidence that later in the season they're losing steps, progressively losing steps as the season gets older. Well, you know what? To expand on your point, though, it's like the Saints have always preferred bigger defensive ends like Cam. You know, Cam coming out was about 6'4", about 280, 285. That's the style of defensive end the Saints have always preferred. You know, they go and get a Davenport who fits that same profile. Peyton Turner fits that same profile. They never liked a smaller explosive edge rushers like a Von Miller or someone like that. They just don't go for that. So you're already starting off with guys who, from a speed aspect, are a little slower than the norm. As they get older, it's just going to get worse and worse. You know, look at uh, Passanio. He's another one. He's a giant, and he can play the run equally as well as the pass, but you're not getting any real pass rush juice out of any of these guys. You know, Cam, half the time, when – I know Nick and I have gone back and forth about this over the years. Like a lot of Cam sacks were coverage sacks. You know, you you rarely – it's rare to see him blow around the corner and just shove the offensive tackle to the side and make this explosive sack. You know, and that's just – that's the MO of what the, uh, the Saints look for at defensive end. You know, even the uh, the linebackers. You're never going to see us draft one of these smaller – like a Harold Perkins. All three of us would love for the Saints to pick Harold Perkins – 
you know, super explosive, bendy kind of edge rusher uh, type of linebacker, and he will never get drafted by the Saints because the Saints will not pick someone who falls outside of their size parameters. Right. And that's the kind of players you need in today's NFL to track down someone like a B. John Robinson or even a Desmond Ritter, who, as I was talking about last week, does have some speed. You know, and he uh, he broke a couple of runs on them. It's just back-breaking runs, man. And it's like when you're giving these runs up to Baker Mayfield in week three, you know, it's like it's been going on all season. We Our, our issues with mobile quarterbacks has been so well-documented, and it's embarrassing that we have not been able to fix this issue. Yeah, and yeah. It's, kind of, it's kind of like what we said with the O-line at the beginning of the year. You know, I think the personnel shift is what ultimately gave us a fighting chance of having decent pass protection – we still haven't figured out the 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 true uh you know like the, the the best in the run the run blocking situation but i mean it's uh it's hard to see us you know fixing this uh, without you know you, can you say oh the players are just going to like buck up and and play better i, I don't know how, i don't know how you can say that uh after the the last few weeks we've seen in the poorest run defense um, and so it's concerning, you know, and, and it, to me, it's just we always say we know what our front office is going to do at the end of the year. And I th- I don't think we're wrong for saying that we would expect Mickey to, you know, keep D.A. if it's a division championship or maybe give him another year, depending on how you finish. But you have to look at this from an organizational standpoint and, and just say, you know, we have it's not working and so the my point is the defensive decline this recent uh failure to to stop any kind of a run and sure the falcons have a good rush offense but 200 plus against the best is still unacceptable and and so it's like even more of an indictment of da when before when it was the offensive issues and the defense was performing well still at a top 10 level there if if you were a da defender and said okay but you know, DA is still a defensive minded head coach and the defense is still playing pretty damn well. Uh, you know, it kind of makes sense. But now that argument makes zero sense. Like he isn't even taking care of his side of the ball now. And it's a problem. And organizationally, it it, it, it all has to be looked at. Let's let's yeah. go over to Nick. I want to hear his thoughts on this. Yeah. What I was going to say about that is, and I think this, you know, mostly agrees with what Corey just said is. I have more confidence in us figuring out the red zone issues than I do fixing the defensive line. I don't see how you fix players that just don't look talented enough um, or, you know, don't work together in the scheme the right way or whatever. We have horrible lane discipline. That's where most of these QB runs are coming from. Not sheer athleticism. It's like Max said, Baker did it to us. We're getting out of our lane. Our tackles seem to always be getting upfield in the pass rush, leaving these massive holes um, between the center and guard all the time. And every quarterback we've played over the last six weeks has taken advantage of that at least twice in the game. You know, Lawrence killed us with it. Uh, Ritter did it. Baker did it. You know, it's over and over and over again. And I I don't see a fix for the D-line. Um, I'm not super confident we can fix the red zone, but I think at least – the, the one thing is you see the offense move the ball, you would think, okay, get Taysom's not going to fumble inside the 10 every game. And if he doesn't do that today maybe or yesterday, maybe the red zone, maybe we score there like Max said, and it's a whole different game, and we keep Taysom coming in 
inside the 20, like we've been doing and seen some success with that, at least there's some chance of a solution. I, the defensive line has gotten worse week after week, and it has not stopped. Um, this is If you watch this game, even in pass protection, they were getting blown away. It, it wasn't close. And if not for what I think has been one of the most impressive secondary performances that we've seen in Saints history, this defense might be getting blown out every game. The, the secondary has been unbelievable. Um, you know, this week it was Honey Badger. It's been a Debo a few times. Lattimore's been locking it down. It, without them being exceptional, this defense, you know, they're still in the top ten somehow, but that's all the secondary. And maybe if you want to throw DeMario in there as part of that, it's amazing they've even held it together with how bad the defensive line's been the last six or seven weeks. It, it's been terrible. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with what you just said. Um, the secondary has obviously been the strength of this team this year. You know, those guys have been lights out. I can't really – there's nothing critical I can say about that position group at all. Now, the rest of the position groups, I can pretty much critique every single one of them in some form or fashion. But um, like you said, there's no solution for the defensive line issue. I know everyone was getting excited about Jason Pierre-Paul getting signed to the practice squad last week, and he was active yesterday. But the reality is he's 34 years old. He's not going to bring much at this point. You know, this team is what it is, and that goes from the defense to the red zone offense to every other part of the team. There's no new team that's going to come walking into the uh, Superdome next Sunday. Like, it is what it is. We are who we are. You know, everyone just needs to realize that. There's only six games left in this season. Yeah. Six. That's it. Like, we are, we're we're in the home stretch. So, you know, for anyone expecting any miracles to occur in the next six games, I got a feeling you're going to be very disappointed come Christmas time. Should be a nice yeah. And piggybacking on that, Max, you and I were texting today, and this is basically six games for Derek Carr and Dennis Allen's career. Yep. Uh, in my opinion, this six games says what their future is. If, if Carr... Carr's not getting another contract anywhere else if he can't win in this situation. And we all know, well, we, we would hope that if DA doesn't minimum deliver the division, you know, the division this year, that he would be gone. He may not be because we know how, how Loomis operates, but there's no head coaching job coming ever again in his life after yeah. if he fails in this six games. So, you know, if there's anything to these two guys, it's six games for your for the rest of your career. That's it. I really feel it's that big of a six games for both of those guys. So, it, you know, there's no more motivation than that. I mean, they, their careers essentially, you know, car, what, becomes one of these journeyman starters while they draft a rookie for three or four more years, and that's it. She becomes uh, Ryan DA, Fitzpatrick, effectively. Right. DA becomes a coordinator for the rest of his career. That's it. So if they want to keep competing at the highest level, they have six games, and, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at the outcome of the game and the way it all went down and looking ahead to next week, which we'll get into our predictions in a, in a second, but not really – not actually, no, we're not going to do – we're on recap. That'll, that'll be for our preview episode. My bad. Uh, I don't think any of us are going to predict a win. I'll, I'll say that. So you're going to more than likely very or could very likely be two games below 500 – Looking at a Panthers home game with an interim head coach and the team possibly rallying behind them the way the Raiders did, but I think the Panthers have much lower quality. But my point is, you're at a point where you have to say as an organization, 
from top to bottom, asking yourself the very simple question of what are we trying to do? You know, at this point, what, who are, we know who we are. So we got to stop this whole, uh, where, where we, we know we're better than this. We know we just haven't put it all together type of thing. It's like, no, no, that's, that's not, that is, that is not the, uh, the case. You have to decide what are we trying to, are we trying to win the, win the division? If you are, then you have to you have to do something different because what you're doing now has clearly not worked. And you're, well, you know, they it, are trying to win a division, but they are not going to do anything different. Which I know is the definition of insanity. Yeah, but that is how this team operates. This team is looking at it from a perspective of now we're a game out of first place, and they see they feel like everything is still there in front of them, so they're not going to change anything. And look, it yeah. makes, we all think it's the wrong move. But it is what it is. It's what the yeah. Saints are going to do. They're I not going to change. I don't necessarily think it's a wrong move to try and win the division. I agree it's the wrong move to, to – No, no, no. I'm not saying it's the wrong move to try to win. I think it's the wrong move to just do the same things we've been doing for the past, you know, 11 yeah, games and expect it to be done. Yeah. Like and Corey's, Corey's question, I think, is exactly right, but I think it's for the offseason. I think they've yeah. committed to try to win the division this year. And what Corey's saying is dead on the money. What are we going to do when this doesn't work? And that's a, co- yeah. you know, are we completely rebooting? Are we, are, you know, I think that's the actual question as soon as the season's over. I think they've committed to try and win in it this year. And when they don't, because it's not looking good, you know, it has to be a massive overhaul because the players aren't getting younger. The ones we're talking about that have been difference makers for us for years and years, which is why we, we just kind of like tried to revamp and go get car. It's the whole reason we did it. If it doesn't work this year and we can't win this division with this schedule and this division, it's over, guys. Like they're not getting exactly. younger, and it's time to reboot. At that at that point, you blow it up. But you know what? That's going to be, as you said, a discussion for the off season, and we'll have lots of material to discuss. But I think why don't we go ahead and segue into the uh, predictions from last week? I know we'll make this quick. Um, I know Nick and I both predicted a loss, so we uh, we got that one there. Coy picked the win. A yeah, more optimistic than we were. <laughs> I also really wanted to do a twenty-eight to three prediction. Yeah, yeah, and look, I get it. I, I respect it, but uh, I had to go with the more realistic approach, and that's why I was not picking this team to win. But um, as far as offensive MVP predictions, I don't think any of us hit. Um, I know I did hit with defensive MVP with Matthew, but I think that was the only hit. Yeah, I, I went. I said Carr was going to have 283 yards passing, and he actually went over that. But he was far from any type of MVP. It was yeah. it was like uh, just nothing. It was empty yards from him. Yeah. So yeah, I think, you I know, think clearly Alave was the MVP and Honey Badger were the MVP. I mean, there's no real debate there. The one thing I'll say about the game that we didn't cover is I really would have liked to see Alave finish that game because they had nothing for him. He was he was wide yeah, open. Sure. And Carr was, was able sure. to. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it, as much as we've uh, we've given him shit this year, you know, we'll be the first to go ahead and applaud him. Like, he was lights out yesterday in the first half. He was literally the only consistent player on offense doing anything yeah. while he was in the game. So, you know, yeah. it's a shame that he got hurt. Um, hopefully he can keep this momentum going because this is exactly what we expected out of him. So, yep. I think uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Awful loss. And we'll see what happens on the next one. But next episode will be the uh, preview episode for the Lions game. So we'll catch you guys then. Who that?